welcome to Lending Forward, a podcast where we're lending every bit of what we know to our listeners. From real conversations and lessons learned deep within the industry to education and forward thinking, together we're Lending Forward. And as always, don't forget to subscribe to our channels and connect with us on www.atlanticbay.com. Atlantic Bay Mortgage Group, LLC, NMLS number 72043, NMLSconsumeraccess.org is an equal opportunity lender. Located at 600 Lynn Haven Parkway, Suite 203, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23452. Welcome back to another episode of Lending Forward. I'm your host, Taylor Ellard. And today on part three with Athena Captain, we are talking all things prospecting. So welcome, Athena. Hi. Thank you so much for having me back. We're so excited to have you back. So last episode, we were talking about demographics and targeting your niche and your market and figuring out who those prospects are. And this episode, we are going to dive into what that prospecting outreach looks like. So this is part two of Athena's nine steps program. And this one I think is so important because it can really manipulate into any industry, truthfully, trying to find your consumer, trying to find your homeowner, your past customer, maintaining those relationships. So let's dive in. Let's start with defining prospecting. So this is Athena's version of prospecting. I won't give you the Webster's Dictionary. Um, I believe everybody can look that up. So my definition and what I believe is prospecting is the behavior and activity you do that engages in a conversation. And what's really important here is prospecting does not take place until a conversation has taken place. Too often I see people think marketing is prospecting. That is not true. That's a hard lesson to learn, but it's true though. To the average consumer or person or, hey, I know you saw my ad. Yeah, I saw your ad, but that doesn't mean anything to me. Right. So what kind of conversation has to take place? So when you are having a conversation with somebody, and we talked about this on episode one, the importance of follow-up, right? So we'll engage a little bit of that in today's conversation as well. But prospecting is not me finding out that you are my target market and me picking up the phone and asking you, can I give you a loan? Can I sell you a house? Do you need insurance? Okay. That is being gassed on. If you've watched any, you know, the Disney show, that is like, I'm so handsome. I'm wonderful. When you enter a conversation like that, you're being gassed on. And we don't want to do that because we're not making it about the client. So the very beginning of the conversation is asking them questions. What's going on in your life that, you know, we need to find out why would they need our service? What about our service would they need? Do they fit? Are, could we meet their expectations? What are they afraid of? What do they need to be educated on? All of those questions we need to discover in these conversations. And I believe the most beautiful way to do this is through education. It's really interesting. In the 80s and 90s, I'm old, we taught so much about overcoming objections. Overcome the objections. Close the sale. I don't believe in that anymore. And I used to teach it. Overcoming objections is like whack-a-mole, right? It's not respectful. And I I think it's narcissistic and self-centered. Really, if we're having good conversations, most objections is because someone is afraid, they have misinformation, or they're not educated. And when I say not educated, I'm not talking about their educational level at school. I'm talking educated on your topic, on your service, 
And in our industry, unfortunately, none of them, if you're an agent, if you are a mortgage lender, a banker, or you're in lending or title, we're not the most trusted. And I'm a builder. We're not the most trusted. It's not like people can't wait to get advice from us. They think we want something. So the very first part of having a conversation in prospecting is to understand you're going in not as a trusted person. And what questions do you have to ask to make it about them so they can trust you? Absolutely. And a lot of times in our industry, at least, we go into those kinds of conversations with scripts. Is that something that you think? <laughs> I see your face. Oh, something- <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. So as you guys know, I'm a national trainer and so many people love scripts. And I have so many other coaches that are like, scripts are it, scripts are it. So let me, again, this is just my opinion, throw out what you like or love, keep what you like, throw out what you don't. But so my, my true opinion is a script is only good for creative juices because a script in and of itself robs you of human connection. If you are scripted, you are not listening. You're not engaged. You're not curious. If you're doing scripting, you're making it about yourself to finish a task. Your client, your potential lead, It's not a task. They're a human and you're dealing with their money. Don't you think that you should respect that conversation enough to be fully engaged, asking them good questions, listening? And remember when we're communicating, we're not just talking words. You know, of all, if we're talking body language and tonality and words, you know, words are the last thing that actually portray true meaning. Body language and tonality speak more than words. So if you are so busy getting that script done, what body language or tonality are you missing that you needed to pick up on? So those people who teach scripts are the answer, feel free. It's a, it's a beautiful world. We all get to disagree. I think a script should strictly be to have you look at it and get your creative juices flowing and ask yourself, What am I trying to accomplish in this conversation? And then go in being curious, non-judgmental, with great listening ears. I love it. And one thing that Atlantic Bay has created last year, we sat down and we came up with some scripts for a playbook because it's meant to be interchangeable. And to sit down with your mortgage bankers, if you're a sales manager, and say, hey, let's go through kind of your conversations you've been having. Let's alter them in our in our playbook so that we can be active and stay relevant and get in front of, why didn't you close that deal? Well, let's look at it from this angle. I think there's a few different ways of looking at scripts. But like you said, if you're, if you're just staying by the book and looking down the whole time, you're missing cues, social cues. You're not hearing the needs of your potential client. And that's so, so important. You mentioned communication. That's a huge thing right now because of technology. So when you're prospecting, what does that communication form look like? Is it an email? Is it a text? Are we hopping on the phone? Take me through at first try to seven touches before somebody says, all right, I'll bite. So tell me what the communication should look like. I will absolutely do that. I want to say one more thing about the scripts that you brought up that I want people to hear. Utilizing scripts as an exercise to role play conversations is an excellent training. That is an excellent training technique. I'm not saying everybody loves to do role playing, but I'm telling you it works. Okay. It does. 
It's huge. Utilizing scripts to role play is excellent. So for those of you that are like, oh, she said no script. <laughs> yes, but for training purposes, they're fabulous. All right. Yes. So now I'll go on. So the communication. So yes. So oftentimes people say, well, Athena, I'll come into the company and they'll have some opportunities and they want me to look at it. And they're like, yes, but we're touching our, our leads, our prospects seven times. I'm like, how? Let me look at the how. And they're like, but we have a drip campaign that's touched them seven times. A drip campaign is marketing. That's not prospecting. Zero prospecting happened here. And here's the reality. Prospecting means you have to have a conversation, which means you can have a conversation through email, through text, and through phone call or video now. But a conversation must ensue. Now, I'm old school, and I have found in both of my companies, the number one still way to communicate with somebody is to pick up the phone. Now, I know statistically speaking, for as we look at, at the analytics, I know IMing is now has a better response rate than email. Texting has a better response rate than email. But I'm telling you, still pick up the phone. We've been fortunate enough in my home building business to hire a remarkable lady out of college. Her name's Jada, and she's 23. You hear, if you want to be judgmental, you hear about, oh, People young aren't picking up the phone or this or that. You know, you hear all this noise. Well, let me just tell you, she is fantastic. And she's fantastic because she understands. So she, every lead that comes in to the home building business, she communicates with and then nurtures them, sorts them, qualifies them, et cetera, in order to talk to um, Jerry, who's, who's the person who meets with all the clients. And she will tell you she's having enormous success right out of the gates, you guys. It's because she picks up the phone. She's not afraid to pick up the phone and have a conversation. So she picks up the phone first. She texts second and then emails third. And if our company has a relationship with the person, she'll IM. And so I want you guys to think about that in your business. So we need to pick up the phone. And I think one of the biggest misconceptions is, oh, people won't answer. And maybe that's a deterrent. But at the end of the day, especially in the home buying, home building, selling of homes, people want that relationship. They want to ask questions. They need, then that's what builds the trust is if you're educating them, which we, we know to be a proven, tried and true method of prospecting, you're educating them. How are you going to do that in a text message? How are you going to do that behind a screen? So that's so important. One of the things that I, I want to say is I hear, so in my coaching, and we talked about this in, in our first episode together in the follow-up, is the reason why we don't is like, I don't know what to say. You guys, how would you talk to your friend? How would you talk to your friend? So if I'm calling my best friend, Sally, and I have something to talk to her about, can't I leave her a message and say, hey, Sally, I have something. Hey, I would love to have a conversation with you. Can't I text her and say, hey, when is a good time for me to call you? because I have something I want to talk to you about that will be better communicated outside of text. Why can't we have that? Or I have too many questions for you that won't be effective through text. That's the truth. We do it. I do it in the home building business and I do it certainly in my coaching business. There is no way that I can assess if I'm the best coach for you by text or email, because how can I hear your tonality? I want you guys to think of it. Those of you who are listening, how many of you got an email 
and perceived it emotionally incorrectly? Or how many of you have gotten a text and perceived it emotionally different? I know I certainly have. And so think through that. Is that what you want with your prospects, with your future client, with your book of business, with your referral partners? So sometimes we just need to pick up the phone because we need to understand the tonality so that when I enunciate a particular word, you hear it. If I hesitate, you hear it. If I'm excited, you hear it. You can't do that by text and email. It's not as foul-proof, if you will, by listening. Right. Absolutely. That's not to say you can't further down the line, but this is just for prospecting purposes and getting to know and, and building rapport with your folks that are hopeful to turn into leads. I definitely think that there's so much value in having those first initial conversations. But outside of the communication of it, what are some of the tried and true proven ways of prospecting? So the very first thing and what I teach people is you need to have a prospecting plan. And unfortunately, when I teach big, I'll teach 60 plus people this concept. It breaks my heart that less than five, typically in a group like that, will actually even know what that means. And so in those of you who are listening to this are like, oh, I don't know what that means. Understand there's a lot of people that don't. So you need a prospecting plan. And then people ask me like, what is a prospecting plan? Prospecting plan is a list of behaviors that you schedule, that you know work or you're trying new, that you know you must do on a consistent basis to ensure you have referrals and new leads coming into your business. And they must be scheduled. That, that's the other piece. You and I could do an entire year podcast just on this subject. But I'll say this, do you have a list of activities, honestly, on your calendar that you know if you execute them, that you'll get the amount of business that you're hoping that's on your dream board or on your goal boards? You know, what breaks my heart is when I see people and they say, Athena, I'm going to do X amount of dollars or my company is going to do X amount of dollars. And I'm so excited that they went that far. And then I ask, what's your roadmap to get there? What's your prospecting plan look like? And I always start there. And if I don't see it, then I understand there's a dream, but there's no road to the dream. And you guys, the prospecting plan is literally your stepping stones to make your dreams a reality. And the other part of it, it is also the thing that your brain's not going to want to do because we don't want to prospect because we get rejected and it's hard. And you know what? The prospecting you're doing today, you're not going to see the fruit for months. So it's not instant. And you know, we're in an instant world, so we don't want to do it. But you'll fail to hit your goals if it's not in there. So, and I get pushed back. People are like, well, it's interesting. A, a financial company had me come in and talk to their top producers. And their top producers have to make over half a million dollars a year to be even a top producers. And they're like, well, I'm successful already. Ha, 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 right? I'm like, good on you, but you could be making a million. So how successful are you? When you have the potential to make a million and you're only doing half a million because you're not doing the behaviors that you need to. So be honest with yourself. I'm content and I don't want to grow, but don't tell me you want to grow if you don't want to do the behaviors. I'll get off my soapbox. <laughs> oh no, I love it. I love it. Well, because it's true though. I mean, there are people that are stagnant having the onesie twosies come in, right? They're, they're going to be there. But then there's other people who are pompous, as we say, and 
and say, oh, well, I'm already, I've already made it. Well, there's always room for growth. So where is it that there's good prospecting and bad prospecting? Because there's a fine line between both. Having that roadmap, what does a good roadmap look like versus someone who already has implemented a quite bad one? The only time a prospecting plan is bad is if it doesn't produce or it's all about you. So in all of my classes, I have prospecting rules. And the number one rule, and by the way, for all of my fundamentals, it's the number one rule. It's not about you. It's not about you. Every single thing you do, you got to be thinking, how am I serving? How am I helping? And how am I using my expertise, my talent, and my ability, and my programs to help someone else? If you go into a prospecting plan like that, you can't fail. Number two, you haven't tracked the behaviors, so you're doing the wrong behaviors. If you do not know what behaviors actually produce results, then you will be on the wrong path. And I teach a number of ways that help you be on the right path. And I'll give you some tips before we leave, lending it forward for you. The number one thing I want you to think through, if you have a prospecting plan, but you're still not achieving, one, is it about them? Two, are you tracking the behaviors? Are they really giving you the ROI? Are you getting a return on investment? I had a very good friend of mine that had a different coach who was very good. But this coach told this person, you know, have a prospecting plan. Person wrote out a prospecting plan. So proud of himself. Got a prospecting plan. But he wasn't tracking if the prospecting plan was bearing fruit. I kept telling him, is it producing fruit? He loved the prospecting activity so much. It was giving lunch and learns. He loved it so much that he wasn't tracking it. The end of the year, his business dropped by almost 20%. And so he had to look back and say, you know, what happened, et cetera. I was so excited. I did all these prospecting behaviors. What he found, and this is a true story, all those lunch and learns gave him zero leads. So being the harsh, in-your-face coach that I can be sometimes, because he needed to hear it, I said, because you didn't track it, you allowed your emotions to determine what you were doing instead of fact. And it's so important as prospectors that we don't get into that happy, feel-good look you know, thing that we actually know. Now, if he wanted to do those lunch and learns just as a give back to society, good for him. But then he needed to go into it with that and have other prospecting behaviors in place. Very different. So those are the only times you can really have a bad prospecting plan. The power of no is so hard sometimes to come to, but there is a lot of power in it because all that time and money and effort you spent pouring into those lunch and learns. And that's a huge thing. I mean, it is. And that's hasn't gone away and it's not going to stop either. Just the lunch and learn hypothetically or, you know, headshots and mimosas, whatever. But if you're not tracking and understanding, yes, this person gave me three leads or yes, this person gave me eight leads, but four of them were crap. Then at what point are you yes and no? It's hard to say no sometimes. But when it comes to prospecting agents, is there any insight that you'd like to lend forward when it comes to that? So if I was a lender and I was going after relationships with agents, and mind you, for those of you who do not know my story, at Turner & Son, our home building business, in January of 16, we had about five referral partners We now that are agents. We now have over 336, okay? So when I'm speaking to you, I'm speaking to from somebody who's actually done it. So I really want you to hear this. Go have relationships with them and listen to them. Ask them about their particular target markets, who they are serving, and do you have what their target markets serve? 
Do you have the programs they need, the services they need? And then you need to start thinking through what are you doing to serve them? Then you need to have a relationship with them. And, you know, I told you I I would give you a nugget for lending forward. I tell everyone who comes through any of my coaching, you have, I'll tell you your number one and number two, because it relates to what you're talking about with agents, your number one and number two prospecting activities. And if you are coaching privately with me, these are non-negotiable. You do them or I'll fire you. Number one, you have your number one target market that you should be prospecting is your past clients. You need to be making relationship with them, adding value, educating them, helping them, connecting them, and being their champion. If you're not doing that, stop what you're doing and do that. Number two, your referral partners. What are you doing to add value, promote them, help them, educate them, connect them? What are you doing? If you do not have those two things in your prospecting plan today, stop and make it happen. Because if you want more agents then let the agent see what you're doing for other agents, okay? So you need to start doing that and then they'll introduce you to more people and it'll grow. But you must stay consistent and it must be about them. And extremely important that you have that consistently as part of your culture for your prospecting plan. Amazing. That was amazing. I am so excited. I know our people are excited to hear that. And Agents too. I mean, so much value in this conversation. As I said, prospecting hits a lot of different industries on a lot of different levels at all ages of folks' lives. So it's so important to be on your prospecting game. We appreciate you, Athena. I hope that you have a wonderful rest of your day. And we're so excited because don't forget, she's tuning in again uh, for part three. She's got a nine-step series. So we will be seeing Athena's face again. So thank you so much, Athena. Thank you. Talk to you guys soon. Good luck prospecting. Thanks again for listening to the Lending Forward podcast powered by Atlantic Bay Mortgage Group. Don't forget to tune in next week and make sure you subscribe to our channel. Remember, we all play a part in Lending Forward. So go lend something forward today.